And now we're pleased to bring you our feature presentation. Hello out there in Radio Land and welcome to a special miniature episode of One Track Mind that I'm creatively calling OTM Mini. I am Ryan Luis Rodriguez, your wonky and affable host and born-again cinephile. On OTM Mini, we give bite-sized little morsels that tackle movies we normally wouldn't get around to on the podcast proper. And this week is special because it doesn't even have an audio commentary. Although, it does have a two-and-a-half-hour documentary, a full hour longer than the motion picture itself, and that's Frank Perry's 1968 film, The Swimmer. Here's how the boutique label Grindhouse Releasing, one of the best in the business, describes the movie on the back of the Blu-ray box. Quote, In his finest performance, Burt Lancaster stars as Ned Merrill, a man who confronts his destiny by swimming home, pool by pool, throughout the suburban nightmare of upper-class East Coast society. Based on the acclaimed short story by John Cheever, screenplay by Eleanor Perry, and directed by Frank Perry, Diary of a Mad Housewife, Mommy Dearest, The Swimmer is a film like no other, a feature-length Twilight Zone episode by way of The New Yorker. End quote. Now, if you haven't heard of The Swimmer, don't feel bad. I didn't even know it existed until 2020, when I discovered it at my local library in the midst of COVID times. But once I saw it, I knew I would never forget it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time discussing the story, because I think you should seek the film out and watch it with a degree of mystery, but I will say that Grindhouse's description of it being like the Twilight Zone is incredibly apt. There are multiple points where Lancaster's character appears to be stepping into the fifth dimension, whether it's a full-blown artsy-fartsy sequence with horses and soft focus and frolicking to one of his ultimate destinations, a public pool, where he's confronted by his neighbors in a way that calls into question every piece of information we've been given throughout the movie. If I had to program a triple feature of The Swimmer and two Twilight Zone episodes... I would not hesitate to select Walking Distance and A Stop at Willoughby, which were at the forefront of my mind when I first watched it, and whenever I think about it since, still linger. The film challenges traditional notions of masculinity and virility, and presents a sort of subversion of Burt Lancaster's movie star persona. And as for whether it is actually his best performance, I don't know. Personally, I would put Birdman of Alcatraz up at the top, but this is certainly on par with the likes of Sweet Smell of Success or The Train, and that's not bad company to be in. As I mentioned just a minute or so ago, the documentary on the Blu-ray is two and a half hours long and covers a production that is best described as quote-unquote troubled. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong, and nobody involved minced words about it. The hottest gossip concerns Sam Spiegel, who sounds like a real piece of shit. Or at least he did. He's dead now. But regardless of how this man, who unfairly lived to the ripe old age of 84, was as a human being, and actor Teresa Russell says, quote, he tried to stick his tongue down my throat, unquote, at the age of 16, 
All that matters in Tinseltown is how much money you've made the studios and how many awards you've taken home. In that context, he won the Academy Award for Best Picture not once, not twice, but three times. For On the Waterfront, Lawrence of Arabia, and The Bridge Over River Kwai. Hey, I liked all three of those movies. Maybe he was a mensch after all. At the end of the day, Spiegel took his name off the project. Although the logo for his production company is still presented in the credits, and maybe it's because he wanted to disassociate from a production that he almost killed multiple times, but I can only speculate. I can't get any confirmation because, as I said early, he's dead. Even though Spiegel was technically the producer, he apparently spent most of his time in Cannes on his personal yacht, and the documentary even manages to mention that he was allegedly once jailed for, quote, financial misdeeds, unquote. So he was just spreading around the awful. Co-producer Roger Lewis was reportedly Spiegel's representative, and the power must have gone to his head, because he was incredibly intrusive, pushing for dialogue to explain things in the plot and giving unwanted notes. Also, he strutted around wearing only swim trunks, just like Lancaster's character, making everyone as uncomfortable as they were miserable. And a small note about those trunks, that's the only wardrobe that Lancaster has for 95 minutes. The costume designer really had it easy in that respect, and apparently produced 17 pair, 12 of which were worn out and discarded. Because when you're constraining a package like that, you're gonna go through trunks like toilet paper. Back to Spiegel. When putting the project together, he set the budget at $500,000, at which point the Perrys, the aforementioned director Frank, and screenwriter and his then-wife Eleanor, were brought on to make, quote, an East Coast art film, unquote, and were paid next to nothing. Then, Spiegel wanted a movie star, Lancaster, who necessitated a salary of 750000 This then led the budget being expanded to $1.75 no longer an East Coast art film, and didn't find it necessary to pay the Perrys a dollar more. What. A. Mensch. Dead now. The shooting schedule was eight weeks, and weather was an ever-present concern, given that the film takes place exclusively in exterior locations. That's just where the swimming pools happen to be. But the filmmakers needn't have worried. Weather managed to be rather splendid, and Lancaster's character's ultimate destination was established as a cover set should rain set in, but was ultimately only shot when they got to it. Speaking of Lancaster, whose blue eyes positively sparkle like the pools he's constantly diving into, he wasn't naturally a swimmer, and had to take lessons to look more natural. And it paid off. His swim coach had actually been an Olympic coach and charged a nominal, reasonable fee, and Lancaster was so impressed that he demanded the coach charge him more. I would say, what a mensch! But then the documentary makes it clear, especially through the recollections of comedian Joan Rivers, who made her film debut as an actor on this picture, that he tended to strong-arm Perry 
and second-guess his every decision, occasionally redirecting actors and even choosing camera angles, which is just annoying. Speaking of Perry, even though the film feels cohesive and all of a piece, he didn't direct the entire picture. After a scene in which Lancaster encounters an ex-lover while attempting to swim in her pool, which is not a euphemism, things started to go even further downhill. The ex-lover was portrayed by Barbara Loden, but the producers were not satisfied with the scene, and eventually Perry was fired. The scene reshot with Janice Rule by director Sidney Pollack, Lancaster's friend. Although Perry's shoot took place on the East Coast, Pollock's reshoots took place in California, and the fact that you can't see the seams is actually kind of remarkable. Pollock even brought with him his own cinematographer, and as someone who has watched a lot of movies, I find it shitty that Perry was cut loose, but I can get lost in the beautiful late 60s Technicolor photography and never pick out shots that don't match between the shoots. Back to Spiegel, though, his meddling persisted even throughout post-production. The brilliant editor Dee Dee Allen, who had just edited Bonnie and Clyde for director Arthur Penn, had done some preliminary work assembling the picture, but she had one stipulation as the work progressed. She wanted a single-card billing, which was admittedly unusual in the industry at this time, but now it's basically required, and Spiegel refused because he didn't want to set a precedent for quote-unquote cutters, proving how little he valued anyone beneath his station, however more useful they may be than he. And she subsequently left the picture. Ah, the swimmer. It's hard to believe that this film was made 55 years ago. It moves like something made recently, packs so much into its minuscule runtime, and transcends everything that went wrong making it. Throw a couple of bucks in the direction of Grindhouse releasing and pick it up. I wouldn't lie to you. Or would I? No, I wouldn't. That'll do it for now. Stay tuned for a full-blown episode next week, and two weeks from now, we continue the odyssey known as OTM Mini. Don't forget to check us out on the social medias at One Track Mind Pod on X, one, that is the numeral one, Track Mind Podcast on Instagram, One Track Mind on Blue Sky, on Facebook, on Podchaser, or send an email for perhaps a future Q&A to OneTrackMindPodcast at gmail.com. Also check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash OneTrackMindPodcast for exclusive bonus content and every episode early. See you soon. That's the end.